0: This is not your average podcast intro because my Matcha Glow Preset Pack just came out on Friday and I wanted to tell you guys about it. So this is a pack that I've been using on my work for the past three to four months and I've been loving it so far. It is much more true to color than my Honey Bubble presets. We've got rich greens, a nice warm glow in the skin tone, so we still get a little bit of warmth. And honestly, it's just very timeless. That's kind of the only way I can describe it. So if you are looking for a good lifelong base to edit with, this is the preset for you. I love the Matcha Glow presets. I can't say it enough. I'm literally obsessed with them. I use them to edit. So they're available on Lightroom desktop and Lightroom mobile. So if you just have your phone, you can totally use these as well. The preset pack comes with seven different color variations of the Matcha Glow presets and then two black and white presets as well. I'm so excited for you guys to use these presets. Go check them out and let's get to the episode.
1: Expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment, oh, keep my sanity Wisdom rushing in So much clearer now Oh, Getting a little bit hard I can getting good no. 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 Kept in a little bit
0: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. Today, I have a special guest with me. I am chatting with Evie McLeod. You might know her as a few other names as well, but <laughs> Evie is here with me. So Evie, say hi to everyone. Tell Hello. everyone who you are and what you do.
2: Absolutely. Hello, Oh Shoot fam. Uh, my name is Evie McLeod, also previously known as Evie Rep or Evelyn Grace. Uh, don't ask me how I ended up with like three different names and trying to, it just happened um I am a serial entrepreneur multi-passionate entrepreneur I have a few different companies and brands and businesses that uh, I have the honor and joy of running my primary three are uh, business education and coaching courses all of that w- via the heart University um and then personal business coaching just kind of photography uh sharing my life of being a multi-passionate, all of that is under the Evelyn Grace brand. And then I have a sustainable active swimwear company under the brand Evie Swim. So those are my main three, but all of it is just loving business and loving serving and empowering entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's cool how like you can start with just like running a photography business and then it goes so many different places because you are just like an entrepreneur at heart, which that's what you can see. So that's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's fun. It's crazy to think, you know. I'm sure for you as well, you're like, Oh, I just started out as a photographer. Like that was the plan. Like be a destination photographer or be a, you know, wedding photographer. And the next thing you know, you're like, wow, where, where did life take me? <laughs> like where right. does photography take me?
0: <laughs> for real. It's really cool. Honestly, speaking of it photography, is. I would love to hear how you got into it. Kind of like your backstory of it all.
2: Yeah. I will try to keep this, uh, <laughs> simple and succinct. Um, okay. I was never one of those girls that, you know, was, toddling around with a camera in my hand from a young age. I just, I had never had any idea of photography until I was 15. Um, and I was at a friend's sweet 16th birthday party. And I just seeing, uh, her older brother who was a, a film major photography major, um, taking photos of us and then seeing the final result like a week or two later I was like whoa this is cool so I grabbed my parents point and shoot and just started tinkering around and taking self-portraits was primarily how I really started learning and then dragging any of all friends of mine to be like get in front of my camera let me practice and then upgraded to my first crop sensor camera uh I think it was called a 60D, which is now discontinued. So it wasn't the yeah. 60. It's now the 60D. Yes.
0: Um, I shot on a 60D <laughs> Did you well. too? Yes.
2: <laughs> it's so, sad that it's discontinued. It's a pretty good camera. Yeah. That's
0: pretty decent.
2: <laughs> it worked for the stepping stone. I was literally exactly. point and shoot to then like the 60D and I got a nifty 50 and I was like, oh my gosh, I am a pro. I can do anything. <laughs> yes. Honestly. Same vibes. It was I feel you. so fun. I loved it. Yeah. So then I just kind of started almost like a hobby side business from that and was shooting like some friends uh senior portraits i was doing some engagement sessions for some friends and then a couple of close friends of mine who i did their engagement session were like will you shoot our wedding um so i shot the first wedding for 250 bucks and uh it was a process i forgot to take photos of the cake or their rings, and I was editing with a very light and airy uh, edit, which is beautiful. It, my edit has just completely evolved over the years, and so the it was just completely different. Um, but that kind of I was like, I love this, like I love that adrenaline and the energy. So I began kind of, I second shot a ton for a year after that. I was still in high school at that point and then graduated, went off to school, still had like kind of this hobby business. A few people were booking me for weddings here and there. Um, but had a plan to go into politics and was fully like planned on going to get a political science degree. And I had an internship lined up with a state representative and I was in Ohio born and raised at this point. Um, But when I came back from ministry school, a year at ministry school in Northern California, uh, everything just kind of shifted for me. And I was like, I don't think I want politics anymore. I don't think this is where God's calling me. And I didn't know what else to do with my life, genuinely. I was like, okay, this has been my plan since I was in high school. What do I do? And I just saw what was in front of me, which was photography, and was like, all right, let me give this everything I have until I figure out what else to do. So even at that point, I was like, I mean, I like this, but this isn't my career. And within like nine months, it just exploded. I started um, really marketing it heavily and then started traveling a bit more, traveling all over the US for shoots and weddings. And as my business really grew really fast, I had a lot of photographers starting to follow me and ask questions. And how did you get this? How did you start breaking into destination space? How did you, you know, and I started answering their questions, realizing I have something here that I've figured out, like not perfectly, but you know I'm learning this, and I have some answers that people are asking. And I started doing lives and trainings and coachings, and then that got me into calling up one of my friends and being like, "Let's host a photography workshop." Which then the Heart University was born in like 2018. So it just kind of all happened. (laughs) Yeah, but I love photography, and it's I'm so grateful for the doors that it opened and um, the career that. I got to have with it and still occasionally shoot, but it's just such a cool career.
0: Yeah. So, of your time now, mm-hmm. how much would you say percentage wise is like photography versus the heart, like actual shooting versus like the heart versus like the other things that you do? Like, what is your time made up of? Uh,
2: photography takes up about 1%. I shoot <laughs> like, <Awesome. you> know, <laughs> I shoot. Um, like three to five weddings or elopements each year. Um, and I do like 10 to 15 couple sessions a year. And that used to be like 30 to 35 weddings and elopements a year and like 50 to 60 couple sessions. And on top of that, then like 50 mentor sessions, which were live in the field, like training, shooting. So, wow very,
0: very slimmed down compared to what I used to do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then the rest of your time is just like the heart stuff and Mm -hmm. like your swim line and all of the other stuff that kind of takes up the rest of your time.
2: Yeah. I would say it's, um, yeah, the heart is a big portion of my time just because we have so much that goes into that company between the podcast and conference and, um, courses and all of that stuff. I, the heart takes up about 60% 60% of the rest of my time. And then my personal brands about like four, thirty 30% and Evie swim is a little bit less on off season in summer. It kind of pivots and Evie swim takes up about 60%. And then the heart takes about like 40. So okay. it's just kind of flip-flops
0: depending on the season. <laughs> right. And it's funny because like people learn and do more education during their off months. And then people mm-hmm. buy swimsuits more during the summer months. So it's it actually, like you- it
2: pivots and like, teeter-totters very well. It's very right. nice.
0: You, you got a good setup going on. I, like that I did. That was not
2: intentional. That was all <laughs> accidental. Any, any right. brilliance that is in that was not from me.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's okay. That's okay. So I wanted to get into, we have a few topics we're going to talk about because I'm kind of interested in a lot that you're yes. doing. And so I have a lot of questions I want to ask you, but right. first, <laughs> awesome. First, I want to start with just talking about photography. Um, yeah. so just very generic, I'm interested to hear what are some of the things that you think make a photography business successful from any Mm -hmm. perspective? Just like, what are some of the things that you think equals success?
2: Oh yeah. Well, I mean the first and strongest like knee-jerk reaction I just had to that was your, how well you take care of your clients, like your client experience. To me, That is the biggest thing. That is the number one thing. All of your front-end marketing, your Instagram, your reels, your website, everything can look pristine and perfect. But if a client comes through your doors and their experience with you is mediocre or even like negative in any way, that word is going to spread. You are going to have people who will tell their friends, do not book with my wedding photographer because XYZ happened. Um, that is, at the end of the day, I think the most important piece of a wedding photographer is how you make your clients feel from beginning to end. And that can include all of your front-end marketing. That can include your back-end workflows and systems. That can absolutely include how you know, skilled or talented you are and how much work you've put into your actual art and your craft. But all of it, at the end of the day, trickles down to how does your client feel throughout the whole process? Do they feel held? Do they feel valued? Do they feel that you are on top with them like paying attention to their timelines, sending out regular emails or text messages to them? Are you willing to help them plan their timeline and you know, pick their hair and makeup artist and source their hair and makeup artist? Like how much energy and time are you willing to put in? Even if you just offer it and they're like, no, no, we have it covered. They at least know that you're willing to do something like that for them I think at the end of the day, that is the most important thing as a photographer. Your work will continue to improve, but your client experience is what people will really, really stick with when it comes to like working with you.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, like, because as photographers, we focus a lot on the photos themselves. And I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that the photos aren't important, but like if someone has an amazing experience with you and your photos are like, you know mediocre, like you're still learning and getting better. Maybe some are overexposed and maybe your ISO was too high on some of them. Like what they're going to feel at the end of the day is going to contribute to how they look at the photos too. So, you know, if you give them a great feeling during the wedding day, that feeling is going to be there when they look through the wedding photos. If you give them a bad experience but you give great photos they're still going to have like bad energy looking Absolutely. at the gallery. So I think that's a really important point that you make and a lot of people just don't really think about that, you yeah. know.
2: Yeah, it's very easy as creatives to pay attention to the creating, to the to the craft, to the art and to look at, oh okay, I need my edits to be perfect and then they'll have an amazing experience with me and it's like mm, know did you actually hop on calls with them did you send them regular emails did you give them a client gift when they booked you know those little things did you build a personal connection with them so that they felt comfortable with you on their wedding day like those things are really what make everything like memorable to your clients and then what makes you become very well known for wow Cassidy is amazing like working with her on a wedding day is just she knows what she's doing. She's confident. She takes care of things. She wants to talk down a DJ who was like creating a scene on the dance floor. Like that's the stuff that's going to get out and that people are going to be like, you need her. Like she will hands down, make your day the best ever. Like that's what you want out there. Not just, yeah, the photos were okay, but she was kind of difficult to work with and really didn't respond to emails. Like that's, that's what they're going to say if the photos are great, but your experience is really tough.
0: Right. Exactly. And earlier you mentioned text messages and I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. How do you feel about like texting clients? Like, cause there is, yeah. you know, a little bit of a work-life boundary yeah. being crossed sometimes. So like, what is your thoughts and opinion on that?
2: I think it, it very much depends on the person and the stage they're at and their business. So for me at, once I got really established as a photographer, I only gave out my Number to my clients the week of or before their wedding or the week of or before their session. So, all pr- like prior communication was done via email up to that week before. I still do that now. Um, so, I still send out a text message to my brides and to my couple session couples the week before. And I'm like, if you need anything in this week, shoot me a text. Um, so excited. And I have like some stuff that goes out in that text too. But prior to that when I was really trying to like establish my my business and establish connection with my clients I was more willing to give out my number I didn't it wasn't like that was how I communicated primarily but I was more willing to give it out because I felt like some clients truly do better with texting like some people don't use email as much as we do as like the business owner who run our businesses via email um and if there was a point where I was like I Think this will do better with connection and really staying on top and she'll feel more comfortable that she can send me her wedding dress pictures or anything like that. I would be more willing to give it out. Once I got to a place where I felt like my clients really understood, I have a lot of clients. I have a lot going on. I'm going to be way more responsible, not responsible, responsive via email than I will be via text. I got that boundary very heavily in place, but I don't think it's like a black and white, never send text to your clients. I think it just depends on where you're at in business and what boundaries you feel really comfortable with where you're at right now.
0: Right. No, I 100% agree with that. I think that, yeah, it just totally depends per person. Yeah. I feel like sometimes when I'm texting my clients, it's great, but then like, if they give me specific details, I'm like, oof, I might need this in an email because there's no guarantees that this is going to make it over to like when I'm shooting your wedding or like, or I have to immediately put that piece of info somewhere else so that I can find it. So it's, you definitely have to either be really on top of it Mm -hmm. or just like be really organized with it all if you're going to do texting.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Something I used to do when I would get those texts of like, Hey, here's the timeline plan or like whatever I would be like, Oh shoot. And I'd screenshot and then email it to myself. Um, yeah. So that's just, it's very, like you said, Cassie, you have to be on top of that. But yes. if you have chosen to go that direction and something like that pops up, don't be afraid to like screenshot, email, airdrop, whatever you need. Just like, don't lose that information.
0: Right. Exactly. And that's the nice thing about using something like HoneyBook too. Like you can just plop it in like your notes and the yeah. files and, like it'll all be there when you need to go back and reference it. I have like this system I've made for myself where I put all of the info in HoneyBook, whether in files or notes. And then like, you know, two weeks before the wedding, I go into my notes app and dump all that info in there. So then I have it on my phone and I can, you know, check off the family photos. And like, that's what I'm looking at during a wedding day. Um, so yeah organization. Not saying I'm the most organized, but you know, that's my (laughs) system. We're all all
2: still learning and growing, but that sounds pretty organized. That sounds pretty good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to ask you something as we're kind of talking about your photography side of things. I wanted to ask you, what is like one thing that you wish you would have known when you first started your photography journey or your photography business?
2: Oh, Oh, that's a good question. I just had like five things pop into my head. <laughs> oh, perfect. I think I think the first thing I would say is I kind of – I wish I had kept my blinders on a little bit more of not comparing my work to other people's work um, at any stage in my photography. I think it's very easy as artists and creatives to – look around and be like, man, I just love the way she can do this or that gallery looks so much better. It's very easy to have that like negative comparison of ourselves um, in our work, but it only ever hinders our creativity. It only ever hurts us in that process. And the reality is we each bring something unique and different to the table. And the more we can embrace that and be like, sure, I may not have this little extra spice that so-and-so does, but I have something else and I may not be able to see it, but I know it's there. And I know my clients will recognize that. So I think that's one of the number one things that I experienced in my photography, but I also see a lot of my coaching students, a lot of my photography, um, mentees really struggling with is, is looking around at all these other photographers. Cause there are a lot of us and constantly comparing and putting themselves down. And that's only ever going to throw your creativity into the trash. So trying to keep those blinders on, I kind of wish I'd done that a little bit more in my startup and career journey with photography, but
0: yeah, I think that would be number one. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I definitely would agree with that. I think like something that I came to realize maybe a year and a half ago was like, personally, I don't know about everyone else, but like, I'm trying to be Different than everybody else. So, if I'm trying to be unique in what I do, how can I compare myself to someone else? Because what I'm doing is unique, you know? So, like, there's literally no comparison because it's different. So, obviously, like, photography is photography. So, there are people doing photography, but how you're doing it that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So, that's something that's been helpful for me is just reminding myself that it's like completely unique to me and everyone is doing it different. So, you really can't compare cuz everyone's at different stages especially so like experience wise. So, yeah, That's I really so like good. that.
2: I love that. I yeah. think something I learned um as I was actually like pivoting out of photography full time is I think I always kind of felt like behind. Like I wasn't good enough. I I needed to do X better. I needed to shoot X better. Um like behind in my creativity specifically, like how I created the art of photography. And even as like a, a photography educator, I was like, I've never, I haven't reached that place where I'm like, oh, I'm the shiz. Like I was always like, I can be better. I think that's what I'm trying to like describe. And I started realizing, cause I started pivoting out of it full time about, oh, two, over two years ago. Um, I started like, the more I've gotten away from it, the more I'm able to actually genuinely and confidently look at my work and be like, Yeah. I was not the best and I probably won't ever be the best photographer out there, but I was good and my clients loved my work. Yes, but they loved me. And like, I had a very successful business on good photography, not mind-blowingly perfect photography, but I had a really good business on good photography. And I think that's kind of like, I'm able to say now, like I'll talk to students and I'm like, I am not the best photographer. I'm not. But I, I learned a lot about client experience and like, I had good work and I had like, I think, I almost wish I could tell that to like every photographer in the world of like, you don't have to be the best. You do not have to be the best of the best. And I guarantee you, like some of my friends who are considered some of the best photographers in the industry will be like, I'm not that good. Like none of us will ever get to a place where we're like, I am the bee's knees of photographers and no one will compare to me. So I don't know. I feel like today somebody (laughs) needed to hear that. So I just spilled that tea.
0: (laughs) No. Yes. And like, there's no like Grammys or Oscars for photography. (laughs) So it's like, we're not going to get awards. Even if you are the best, you're probably not ever going to actually know that, you know, and how do you even gauge who's the best? Because it's literally art. Like who, who was the best artist of all time? I don't know. You're like, wow. (laughs) Picasso. I don't know. Like there's just too many options. So I just think like, because art is art, it's, you know, it's literally just creating. And if you're good, that's like you said, like that, that's something to be proud of. And like, you don't have to be so hard on yourself all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So I wanted to talk now about social media. Um, Yes. And I'm specifically interested kind of in your social media growth. So I wanted to ask you, like, how did it start for you? And, like, what were some of those things that helped you grow your page specifically?
2: Oh, yes. Um, Yeah. So it it started a lot of what I did when I first was growing my social and specifically Instagram um, was just like a natural, like, what I was doing. And then as I, grew from that and began to really research marketing and marketing psychology and all of this stuff, I started realizing, oh, a lot of that is strategic. But at the time, I was just blindly doing what felt natural to me. Um, But the biggest thing, the biggest thing was I showed up as me. I showed up in ratty sweatpants and greasy, messy bun. And, you know, when I was really fully starting my business and really starting to push hard and go full time and book a lot of, uh, clients and travel and all of that, I was still working a full-time restaurant job. So I was a server and a hostess at an Italian restaurant. And I would like show up on my stories at 2 AM sitting there editing a gallery and being like, keeping my eyes. I think I had one story. Oh, this is funny. I had one story, uh, sitting at my desk, like very late at night post double shift. And I did a story of me grabbing like scotch packing tape and putting it on my eyelids to like keep my eyes open. And obviously it was like, it was a joke. I was being like very dramatic about it, but it was like this terrible look of my eyes, just like eyelids, like squished up and like edit sitting there, like editing. And that was just me. That was, I was willing to like, be quote unquote unprofessional and just be myself and like show that I was, you know, burning the candle at two ends and, and driving myself crazy and making mistakes. And I was dancing on Instagram long before TikTok became like a dancing popular thing. People were always like, I can't believe you're willing to like, cause I, I'm not a good dancer. I just have passion. Um, but I think that is what really allowed people the opportunity to connect with me as a human being and to be interested in me and my journey as a human not just as a photographer and i've had people who are booking me now for weddings paying massive package prices cuz my prices are super high now um and they followed me since those days like they followed me since i worked at a restaurant when they were also you know 17 18 years old and now they're 24 25 26 whatever getting engaged and married and they're like i have known i wanted you from 17 years old. And now I'm willing to pay a big package price for you. Um, but that I think is the biggest thing on social media growth and connection is be yourself, show up as you build that personal connection, share little snippets of behind the scenes, whether it's your work or your life or both. Um, people are very drawn to authenticity, to human, to relatability. That's really what's going to set you apart from everyone else. Like Yes, if you have the most aesthetic and beautiful feed in the whole world, people will probably be like inspired by it and want to come see it somewhat. But if you're just you, whether that's very aesthetic or very hot mess express, either one, people love that. People love that opportunity. So when I started doing that, that's when I really started seeing significant growth on social media.
0: Yeah. And I think like that point you were making about people booking you now, Mm -hmm. it just goes to show you never know who, one, who's following you and who is consuming your content. I say this all the time to like photographers who have like, you know, 50 followers to like 3,000 followers. Like you don't know who is in that follower number that could be a potential client. Yeah. Um, so Just keep doing you, and like you will get bookings from that because like not everyone's at a place to book you. You know, with couples and weddings, it's a very specific thing, like specific time thing. Like you know, I we got a lot of single people following us. Let's be real, like you know, it takes time to find your person. So it's it's a really cool opportunity on social media to just build a long term connection. And personally, I can even like attest to the people that I follow and the people I'm invested in it started with either me finding them on like TikTok or through a podcast. And then slowly I make my way to their Instagram and then I'm there. And once I'm on their Instagram, Mm -hmm. I am a a hooked fan, you know? (laughs) And it's like, I'm never unfollowing you because I'm just so invested in you. And I think that is like a huge part of social media nowadays, because if you're a photographer and you're just posting your photos and that's literally it, congrats, you're doing literally what everyone else does if they're a photographer. So you have to take it like one step further and just like do the unique part of social media which is literally you like yes. you are the unique part of your business.
2: Yeah. Well that also gives you a lot of power if you ever do decide to pivot. Like building that community outside of just building a photography business and photography clientele is what allowed me to then pivot into the heart university having so many photographers following and like being a part of my photography journey is what allowed me to begin serving and educating them. And then from there having just a continually growing community of people who just liked Hot Mess Express Evie uh, allowed me to then pivot into opening a swimwear company. And so it it gives you a lot of flexibility too. If you are just a photographer and people just follow you for your photos, if you ever decide you want to do anything different, even the remote, <laughs> remotest bit different, people yeah. will be like, no, because they were just following you for that one thing. So
0: something right. else to keep in mind when it comes to that. No. Yeah, totally. I get people all the time who are like, I don't, I'm not a photographer. I just follow you because I think, you know, yeah, I, I like your clothes or I just think what you do is cool. Yeah. So like, yeah, don't, don't put yourself in that box of just photography because mm-hmm. there are so many different stages of life right now. I think it's great to be a wedding photographer, but you know, in the future, I might not think that as much if I ever want my weekends free, yep. you know, like, so it, it's good to, just have like a flexible setup almost, Yeah, you know?
2: Yeah. It's like like taking your roots deeper. So you have more ability to grow in different directions if you want.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, so you did mention photography education, which is what I wanted to ask you about next. Um, a lot of people listening, like, I feel like struggle with imposter syndrome, including myself. Um, so I guess I kind of have two questions for you then. (laughs) Cause I kind of talking about two things. So one, how did you know that you were ready to start educating? And then two, if someone's listening and feels like they're ready to start educating, how can they kind of get over that imposter syndrome of feeling like they're not an educator?
2: Yeah, that's good. Um, So first question, how did I know I was ready? I, I kind of touched on this in my story, but I started getting a lot of questions from other photographers of like, how did you book that destination shoot? How did you, you know, start pivoting into elopements? How did you find your editing style? How did you grow on social media? And, you know, at this point in like, I want to bear it all for the listeners today. At this point, I, I think I was at like, when I started really getting a lot of questions, I think I had like, Three thousand followers, four thousand followers. Like I, I wasn't at the like, oh yeah, I've hit the ten k and like people view me as legit. I was still like, uh, uh oh, okay, like what? So it was very much, I wasn't stepping into it like I know my shiz. It was people asking me questions and I started just answering them. I would DM them back and be like, well, I actually did X Y Z to book this shoot, or here's what I've learned about growing on Instagram and blah 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 blah, and. I started seeing these people having light bulb moments in in my DMs or on my Instagram lives of being like, oh, that makes sense. And then I would see them begin to put that into action and start seeing the same results. And I was like, okay, something I'm doing is working. And I am having some answers that it was just started to like trickle in the back of my head. And then my biggest uh, aha moment of this was I was doing a takeover back when those were like a big thing. Um, I was doing a takeover on elopement loves account and I'd brought everyone like behind the scenes on like a, a destination couples shoe anniversary shoot that I'd done, which by the way, destination was me driving from Ohio to South Carolina where my sister lived. And, having them pay me like a hundred, I think it was like a hundred, maybe it was 200 bucks for this couple session, which like paid for my gas. Um, but I like was intentionally marketing it as like, I'm traveling, I'm willing to travel to you to shoot. Like it was a very strategic point. Anyways. Um, I was doing a takeover on elopement love and after storying like the whole behind the scenes of the shoe and walking people through it, I then would do like an Instagram live and answer questions. And I think elopement love had like, 60,000 followers at this point, And I still had like 4,000, 3,000. And I, people were like question after question, after question, after question on that live. And I was answering every single question. Like, obviously not all of them was I like, I've done this for five years, but I was like, even if I haven't, you know, they were like, how do you book a session in Europe? I was like, I haven't shot in Europe, but here's what I would do. Here's the things that like, got me this session or got me the session in California. Here's what I would do. Um, And I stepped away from that live, just kind of being like, oh, I I know something. Like I know something that other people are a couple steps behind me and are wanting to hear this information. So that's when I kind of began to lean a little bit more into like educating. And then I think it was like uh, a year later, I hosted my first workshop, but that was the aha moment of Recognizing people were asking questions. So they recognized me as doing something right. And I was knowing some of the answers, if not all of the answers of what people were asking. Now, I wasn't having people ask me at that stage, how do you build out multiple, stream- multiple streams of revenue and pivot into different brands? Like, those weren't the questions I was getting. I was getting, how do you start, you know, booking different clients in different states? Or, what's your client experience workflow that allows you to stay on top of things and not drop the balls or, you know, Instagram marketing. Like it was the things that I had been a few steps in and people were wanting to know. So that's, I think the trigger that I tell most of my students, like pay attention to that. If people are asking you questions, you have something to offer. And if you know the answers, you really have something to offer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is so, that is literally so true. I literally say all the time everyone has something to offer. Like, and I think that even goes to show in my story too. Like I started teaching photographers after doing photography for maybe six months because the people I were teaching had never picked up a camera before. So I knew at least a little bit more than what they knew. And I think that's a really powerful thing is just like, you know something like you're saying, like maybe it's not like, you know, the whole book of how to do this whole photography thing, but you know, enough to at least teach somebody. And I think that's really valuable. Yeah. You don't have to even be like an educator either. Mm-hmm. Like you can just share what you know, just to help people.
2: Yeah. I mean, when I did my first uh, photography workshop, I, I didn't consider myself like an educator. I was still very much a full-time photographer. I just was like, I want to pass on what I'm learning. Like the growth that I'm experiencing in my business, I want other photographers to get. So I'm going to give it to them. Like that was my whole perspective. And then after that workshop, that's when we kind of started to be like, okay, maybe we'll do another one. And then that one sold out within minutes. And we were like, okay, there's a demand for this. So it just kind of pivoted into education and being an educator and starting a whole different brand. But at the time, it was just like, let's host a one off workshop and like, We fell into (laughs) business education. So you don't have to be like, now I'm going to start an education brand and pivot my business out of it. Like it can sometimes be, let me sit down with that girl in my town who's asking me questions about what camera to buy and how to shoot on manual. And I'll share what I know and see if I even like it. And I think that to answer your second question, Cassidy, of like what to do when you're starting in or like how to get into education, I would say just start, do it for free at first. Just sit down with that girl from your town or, you know, pop on a a FaceTime or a Zoom call with the girl in your DMs and just answer some of their questions. Just kind of get a gauge of, you know, do you even like it? Do you like educating? Because it's a whole different beast. It's a whole different experience and learning how to communicate something that is internal for you that you've been doing in the back end of your business or you know whatever having to communicate that in a clear and concise way takes time to figure out I love that I just stumbled on my words as I'm like communicate in a clear and concise way (laughs) I'm like (laughs) but I think just like start somewhere and then as you're going start very small I would start with like an hour mentor session or something, or invite somebody to come shadow you on a wedding or a shoot, um, and then meet up with coffee before or after, you know, whatever that looks like for you. And then start small from there too. like an hour mentor session, a hundred bucks, like whatever that looks like, figure out if you're really giving the value that they're investing in before really beginning to like raise your prices and create a game plan of, okay, You know, I really specialize in the art of photography, not really the back end business. Like somebody asked me a tax question. I had no idea. So I'm going to lean into, you know, art and shooting or maybe it's vice versa. You're like, yeah, I can I can shoot. okay, but I really know something about marketing. I really want to transfer that to people like you'll start to figure
0: that out as you dip your toes in. With film photography being so popular nowadays, I'm very excited to introduce you to our sponsor, PhotoVision. PhotoVision is a third generation film lab who scans your rolls of film for you. They produce consistent and quality scans and they even offer custom color correction for your scans. If you know me, I've been getting into film photography lately and I just sent off two rolls of film to PhotoVision. They're so easy to work with and you can literally tell that they know what they're doing when it comes to film. They even offer film education on their website, so it helps newbies like me better understand what the heck they're doing. PhotoVision is family owned, which we love, and their customer service is amazing. They want everyone they work with to feel valued and supported, which Honestly, that's how I felt when I've worked with them. PhotoVision is your film processing experts since 1968, and they have an exclusive offer for Osho listeners. Get one free roll of signature process and scans using the code OSHU at checkout. That's Osho with no spaces at checkout, which will also be linked in the description. Go check it out. Yeah, totally. And for you, how do you feel like you figured out that like one thing that you're like, okay, this is this is me. I like this and not taxes or whatever. Um,
2: I think it, I started to pay attention to a, what people were asking me about the most and b what, like, I got really excited to talk about, which for me was, um, marketing. I just, I love marketing and time management and like creating systems and workflows to help a very like scatterbrained creative, AKA me, uh, make sense of, you know, all of the responsibilities and and different balls that we're juggling as an entrepreneur as well. Um, so those were like two of my biggest things. And then like it slowly began to pivot as my business grew as well into like different things as well. But what got me excited was the biggest trigger for me that I noticed.
0: Okay. And then sorry, I'm just going to keep firing. I, I love it. I'm an open book. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So how or if if did you struggle with imposter syndrome starting with education or just like in general even in photography? And if so, what are some things that kind of like helped you or could help another photographer who's also struggling with feeling like an imposter in what they're doing?
2: I think we all struggle with imposter syndrome. I think everyone, the thing that I have kind of realized is we, we experience it to different degrees and in different ways. I think, um, I have always kind of had a personality. Like my parents have told me stories of when I was like two years old and I would be watching my brother, like taking vitamin pills. And I would be like, I can do that. I was like this tiny little toddler who could barely talk and was still like, on mashed foods. And I was like, I can swallow that. Um, so I've always kind of had this attitude of like, I, nothing's impossible. I can do it. Um, and I think, I truly think that's just like a God-given gift. I don't think that's like me being anything special. I think that's just like something I was given. Um, so I never, I never really, really struggled with imposter syndrome as an educator because I, And I think this is the biggest thing. Anytime I would feel that sense of like, who am I to, you know, say this, or I don't even have 10,000 followers. Like anytime those thoughts would pop into my head, I would shift the focus off of me and onto my students. I would be like, okay, hey, stop thinking about me and my follower count and my, you know, my qualifications, me, me, me. What would it be if I shared what I know with a student? Could I help them? Could I help this photographer who's in my DMs right now book two more clients this month so she can, you know, meet these bills to whatever? I think I can. I really think I have something that could help her or at least encourage her. Like once I shift my focus to who I'm serving and make it about them and how I can help them, serve them, love them, empower them, it, the feeling of I'm not enough goes away because I'm not paying attention to me. Like it's it's not about me. It's about who I can serve. And I think at the end of the day, I obviously still have to consciously do that. But anytime those thoughts come to me, that's what I attempt to do is just turn it away from me and either go straight to the Lord for me as a believer. I'm like, God, what do you have to say about me and about what I'm doing? Am I following in your path? Am I you know, serving the people you want me to serve? And then I just focus on those people and I'm like, God, like I start praying for my students. I start praying for the people and I'm like, give me the words. Even if I have no idea what I'm saying and I'm talking gibberish, let the person hear something good. Like, (laughs) So I think that's at the end of the day, the biggest thing with imposter syndrome. I really think that's one of the biggest mindset traps that the enemy will try to like loop us into is like, it's all about you. Think about you, focus on you. But if we shift it to the people we're trying to serve and reach, everything changes in our minds and and it gives us the courage and the power to actually push through
0: right no that's literally so good that's like exactly what I feel like the answer to the question is like (laughs) literally how do you overcome imposter syndrome stop thinking so much about you it is kind of like as much as it is kind of it, it obviously is hard when you are struggling with it but like it's kind of selfish you know like it's like who am I it's like Mm -hmm. I don't like you know it's like who are you okay think about them (laughs) exactly like it's really not about you and when you're in a service especially like service-based industry so photography education very much service-based so how are you serving yeah you know it's not necessarily like oh are people saying good things about me like am I like you know, being praised? Like, no, like Mm -hmm. even if, even if you don't get a single bit of praise, like it's just about, are you actually providing your service and like doing it well to the best of your ability? Yeah. Great. That's really all you can do. Cause if you're trying your best, like that's it. Like you can't try any harder, you know? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And I think everything shifts in your business too, when you are focused on other people, like people can sense if you're all about you whether it's coming from pride or insecurity either one people can sense it and it will leak into your work and to your business and peop- your clients will feel it if you're focusing on yourself instead of them and i think that's also like a big deal when it comes to it is the more you can focus on the people you're serving the more they will feel that like extreme sense of being held and loved and served and um, The VIP experience that you're wanting to give them, they're going to get that when you are focused on serving them, not just meeting your own needs or patting your own ego.
0: Yes. Yeah. People can sense if you're slimy or not. Like, it's just a thing. I know I can feel it if someone's like trying to sell me something 100% right away. I'm like... What do you want? What do you want me to buy? And I'll be out. (laughs) Door's back there. See ya. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I kind of wanted to wrap up this episode by talking about multiple revenue streams. Since you mentioned it, I'm like, I gotta ask her about this. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I guess I just wanted to ask you, like, what would your advice be for someone who wants to kind of expand their revenue streams? Let's say they are just starting with photography. Um, what would your advice be for expanding that?
2: Yes. Ironically I just did a podcast interview like immediately before this one and the same question was asked. So I feel like no. I have hopefully a little bit of time to practice that answer on the last one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um so my biggest thing, I know I'm speaking to almost all photographers, I would very strongly encourage you focus on building and mastering one thing at a time. I think that's one of the biggest things that I see creatives juggling right now is I think maybe it's just me but I think multiple revenue streams and passive income has become a little bit more talked about in the entrepreneur space lately in the last like couple of years which is great I love that um but it can also lead to a little bit of confusion in those of us who are in a startup phase or really just getting our businesses established on the ground because we're like oh no do I need to be doing four more things and three like ah oh, there's so much to do and think about. Um, So my biggest encouragement is if you are in a season of your business where you are just really getting like your feet in the door and establishing your name, establishing your brand, your reputation, your marketing, kind of like getting your feet under you, focus on that. Focus on getting that to a place where you feel confident in your work and your service and your brand and your business and then i would say start really thinking about okay how can i then expand my revenue streams or invest in passive revenue or anything like that in the in between if you want start reading books listening to podcast interviews youtube videos whatever to kind of like start priming your brain for thinking and understanding the whole multiple revenue streams passive income all of that um i would not just start being like right today I must have multiple revenue streams if not I will fail um that's way too much pressure and multiple revenue streams is such a broad topic like I have had coaching students where we sit down and they're like I want to start doing some passive income and I'm like okay have you thought about are you wanting ABC you know like and run through some of the passive revenue options and they'll sit there and be like oh I just I just thought I needed to like create a guide and and put it on my shop on my website. And it's like, well, you can, but there's a lot, there's a whole other world of business. So do not, if you're in the beginner to intermediate like stage of starting your business, I would say focus on one thing, get to a, a secure mastered place of that, and then start thinking about multiple revenue streams, start doing your research. Um With that being said, the one caveat to that slash contradiction I would have to myself is I think you can start now thinking towards investments, retirement, savings, like that sort of thing. The sooner you think about that, the better. So think, start, if you can talk to anybody that you know who who has some experience in just financial uh, planning, financial, you know, retirement advice, anything like that, um, But start researching and looking into like a Roth IRA, a 401k, um, even some mutual funds to have a little savings, but like have it earning a little bit of something. Those are the things you can and probably should start doing right now. And that's the only exception that I would really say to like, if you're a beginner in your current business, do that first. Everything else can wait. Um, don't try to do everything at once. Cause I think that can be really overwhelming. Just doing it one at a time is one of the biggest things that I would say.
0: Yeah. You can't be like, I don't know, like the jack of all trades concept. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it, when it comes to passive income, it doesn't work unless everything that you're doing is quality. Yeah. You know, like if I were to go open a uh, shampoo line, yeah, I don't know why I would do that. But like, <laughs> if I were to go do that, like I haven't one, I haven't like, literally planned anything for it like there's Mm -hmm. no like the launch is just going to be boom here's my shampoo you know like there i'm not prepping my audience i'm not like you know Thinking about it, I haven't tested products. Like, yep. and not only that, I'm also coming up on busy season, which yep. then I'm gonna be half and half with weddings and my shampoo line. Yep. If anyone's listening, literally, I'm not coming out with a shampoo line. So <laughs> Everyone's like, not, "Oh, like, <laughs> I know my hair is fabulous, but like, please, <laughs> like, it's not happening. Um, but you know, you get the idea. Yes. Like, you really have to be able to focus a lot of your time on passive income, like quality yeah. yep. stuff, to actually make it successful. And if you're just half doing everything, like it's not going to be quality. Therefore, Mm -hmm. it's probably not going to be successful. You're going to lose trust. Such a good
2: point too. Passive revenue is not usually passive when you start it. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of upfront investment unless you have investors or unless you find a business model or business that requires very little overhead, which is very unusual. Um, so that's part a big part of the reason. I love that you mentioned that, Cassidy. That's one of the main reasons that I'm like focus on one thing at a time because usually it requires a lot of time, a lot of focus, and a lot of money that a lot of us don't have when we're <laughs> when we're first starting out in another business. Like usually you're strapped for all of it time, money, energy. So focusing on one at a time gives you then that ability to do it all with quality. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so good. It's like when I started my just like education shop, like that alone took money and so much time, like planning the content, like buying, you know, I use Thinkific, but you can buy Kajabi. Both are very expensive. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Shopify and maybe you need a new website and like literally all the things that you're like, oh, I just want to launch a guide yeah great that's great but like literally there's all those steps before that yeah which is just a lot um so yeah it does take planning and I honestly usually recommend like if you're going to try something like that start it kind of during slow season Mm because slow season's a great time to work on passive stuff um I think uh, during slow season a lot of people get this kick of like I want to be making money while I'm just in the middle of winter you know and it's Christmas I want to be making money like okay, like that, that's the time that most people want to start working on that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that would be my encouragement to anyone listening, like wait for it to slow down and then go. Go Yes. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, I don't think I have any other questions for you other than I like to ask some, I guess this, um, if there's like one thing that you could tell, um, like a beginner photographer listening right now, um, what is like one thing that you would tell them like to encourage them or just like a tip or something um, that you you just want to drop the mic with? I have, I
2: have two things that I think kind of tie into each other. The first like phrase that came into my mind was just like stay in your own lane. Like don't try to copy the trends or follow what you think everyone else is doing or you know embrace your own creativity, your own flair, your own flavor that you bring to the table because I think we talked about this at the beginning of this episode, but that's what makes you unique. And it is art, like Cassidy mentioned, like it's, there's spice that you bring to the table, but if you're trying to mimic somebody else, you're literally watering that down and flushing it out. So that's the first thing and like stay in your lane, just find the things that inspire you don't be afraid to create just for the sake of creating, if that means free shoots or um, styled shoots or self-portraits or what something entirely different than photography, something that just fuels your creativity. Don't be afraid to invest time and, and money into that as well. And then my other thing, I feel like I say this so much, but it is one of the biggest lessons that I think most of us need to hear repeatedly in our lives is stop comparison like stop comparing yourself to everyone else out there. Stop comparing yourself to the friend who started her business two months before you and is now like seemingly so far ahead of you, or you know, that other photographer that you love who is traveling and you're like, man, if only I could get to that point, um, that comparison will steal your joy, will steal your confidence, will destroy your own creativity. Like it has to be cut out. And one of the best ways to cut it out is just purely focus on serving your clients. Like, how can I give them my best? Because this is about them and me. This is not about Sally down the road or Susie up the street. This is about my clients and me.
0: How can I be true to myself and love the heck out of my clients? Yeah, that is so good. And to sum it up in Cassidy terms, you basically said, keep it spicy and keep your eyes on your own spice Yeah. That, that is exactly what I got out of that and I love the word spicy I love that you use that because I feel like it perfectly describes like everyone's personality everyone has their own spice maybe it's yes. paprika maybe yes it's cu- you know cumin but like you know everyone's their own spice I love it you got your own little flavor own little yes. spice and flair <laughs> okay that was so good I do want everyone to be able to like follow you and find you and all that stuff yeah. so um if at this point you can can just tell everyone where they can find you and all of that good stuff. Perfect. I'll give the rundown. Um, So if you are interested
2: in hearing coming over to my podcast with my best friend and business partner, we have the Heart & Hustle podcast under the umbrella of the Heart University, which is our business education training Company, we have uh, online courses, we have conferences, we have digital resources, we have a community of people, podcasts, all that stuff over there. Um, It's at The Heart University on Instagram and theheartuniversity.com online. And then my personal brand where I do one-on-one coaching, I share kind of behind the scenes of being a serial entrepreneur um, and a wife and a homemaker. All of that stuff is over on my personal page, which is at Evie Rupp. Um, And EvelynGrace.com is my website, mainly for photography still, but uh, all the things are over there. And then my swimsuit company is at Evie Swim and evyswim.com and that's where we have uh modest active flattering sexy you don't think sexy and modest go together but we try we that's for the goal (laughs) they do Um, They do. (laughs) we have a whole community over there of women active excited to just live their dang lives and feel secure and held in their swim while they do it
0: oh my gosh I love it wow you literally have so much going on I (laughs) literally love that (laughs) I'm like, okay, where do I start? All right, so number one. Going down the (laughs) list. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's episode. It was so great chatting with you, and thank you for just sharing all of your
2: knowledge with us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Cassidy. This was a joy.
1: Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment, oh, to keep my sanity My wisdom rushing in So much clearer now Getting a little bit higher With every step I take, I'm getting good go. Getting a little bit better I'm climbing to the top Never gonna stop, I'm getting good old